Welcome to Stay Engaged 2023. Now in its fourth year, Stay Engaged is back to captivate you with a compelling lineup of weekly offstage sessions from esteemed IAB UK members and the creme de la creme of the digital advertising industry. Prepare yourself for a whirlwind of creativity as each episode aims to ignite your imagination and revolutionize your thinking. As the Women's FIFA World Cup kicks off, the IAB's James Chandler speaks to football coach Meg Templeton and head of Indie Visa Morgan Brennan as they share some of the amazing stories that led to the Lionesses engaging global audiences and becoming one of the most decorated sides in the game. Here's James Chandler to find out more. James here with this Stay Engaged episode we're releasing on the cusp of the Women's Football World Cup in Australia and New Zealand. It's a conversation with Morgan and Meg from Football Co about what a seminal moment for women's football the World Cup promises to be bigger, more competitive, and something that will be watched by more people than any other tournament in the history of the women's game. And we pack loads into 20 minutes. We get into what it takes to be an authentic sponsor, how new generations of fans are engaging with the women's game, and most importantly, a forensic assessment of the Lionesses' chances of bagging the winner's trophy. This episode is genuinely up there. I think we've one of the best that we've ever done on the pod so far. And I came away from recording yesterday just totally revved up uh, for the World Cup that's happening later this month. So I hope our conversation makes you feel the same way too. So with Morgan setting off for Sydney in just a matter of days, I started by asking her how she's feeling about everything that's going on around the tournament, which kicks off on the 20th of July. I am obviously incredibly excited. I think, you know, off the back of the Euros last year, especially, it just feels like it's getting bigger and better. And, you know, we were discussing this morning that everyone keeps saying every time there's a Women's World Cup, like, this is the biggest and the best yet. But, like, this time it definitely is. It's already, you know, broken records. It's already having to, you know, rearrange the stadiums and the fixtures for the demand, which is amazing. Obviously, there are still, you know, things that need to change. I think some of the broadcasting issues are quite shocking still, but it's super exciting. And I think it's just this amazing opportunity to kind of do things differently and sort of rewrite what the Women's World Cup is and how that is different to the Men's World Cup. So, yeah, yeah, I think it's super exciting. And obviously, I'm Australian, so I'm very excited to be going home for it as well. When are you going home for it? I am flying on Tuesday, so I land at 5am on the first day of the Australia opening match. Very nice. Yes. Tell us about Indivisa. So Indivisa is a part of Football Co that you run, but tell us about how it came in and how it got set up. Sure. So, yeah, so Indivisa is our women's brand at uh, Football Co. So we sit alongside our other brands like Goal and Next Gen and Mundial and some other sort of local champion uh, channels as well. But Indivisa came about because, you know, we've always covered the women's game across our different channels. It's not something new to Football Co., mm. but we just felt like there was kind of a really amazing opportunity to share more women's football content in a dedicated platform that was coming from a female perspective. So... Obviously, a lot of the kind of coverage of the women's game is still coming from a male point of view because the industry is predominantly male, the writers, photographers, etc. So we really wanted to kind of change that and make sure that, you know, we're working with women 
on the team as well as you know working with freelancers graphic designers writers everything is kind of coming from that female perspective yeah. to female fans so yeah that is Indivisa and what's the prerequisites if you wanted to come and work for Indivisa you have to be a woman to work on the team no not necessarily I just think we want to make sure that majority of our content is coming from a genuine fan of the women's game and you know I think there obviously is a lot of space for more women in the industry as well and we want to yeah. be a part of that change too yeah I remember the Telegraph before the World Cup in France what 2019 I want to say and the Telegraph at the time was saying which was fairly groundbreaking look we're going to have an all female team on this and people go mm-hmm. oh, that's but it feels like like that wouldn't be such a shock now and mm-hmm. shouldn't be yeah definitely I think it is getting better there's still aspects where it is still quite sort of backwards and mm. very historically male. Like we work with this incredible pitch side photographer called Ryan Rafiq and she was explaining that last year at the Euros there were some matches where she was still the only female pitch side photographer, which wow. is obviously a very male industry. Mm. And that's something that we think is really special to like have female photographers capturing the matches and obviously it's a different it's yeah. a whole different kind of angle and, yeah. and look. So yeah, I think it's definitely getting better, but there's still gaps. Complete Australian bias from Morgan, yeah. Meg. Canada's chances, right? Canada's chances. I mean, Blackstone. I am patriotic to my core. <laughs> so I'm always going to say that Canada's going to come in a winner. I will put it out there that Canada did win the gold medal at the last Olympics. Okay, yeah. And they beat the US. Olympic champions. Olympic champions. Don't count us out. Where That's... are you in the sort of the seeding in the ranking? We were just saying Australia's like fifth, which yeah. is a surprise given they're at home. But I mean, the Canadian women haven't necessarily had a ton of funding or time to practice. <laughs> so I always say the seating for us is just when you're a Canadian sports fan, you know that the numbers don't matter. You just mm. kind of have to go out there and hope for a best. Like it. Yeah. It's just pure wishing for the best when you watch football as a Canadian. What's your sense of what's changed? If you think about the state of women's football today, I mean, we just talked about, you know, the last World Cup. We've clearly in the UK had the Euros win, which is, if nothing else, absolutely put women's mm-hmm. football on the map. What's kind of changed in those years leading up to this? And why does this feel different, as Morgan said? I mean, I think what it is, the Euros was a big change for women's football. We saw something like 200% growth in people who watch the WSL off the back of the women's Euros. But you're also seeing an uptick in girls and young women wanting to play the sport more as well. They have these players who they're now beginning to look at as positive role models. They see women and girls who are just like them, who are athletes. And I think it's just a really positive influence that women's football has on countries, on the world, on everyone. And it's just, it's fun. It's fun to watch. It's a great game. I mean, you're selling out crowds in stadiums. It's so electric to be a part of it and to watch it grow. And it's kind of really different. I've been to lots of men's football games. I've been to watch England in lots of places. Like my daughter's five is really getting into it. I never could have taken I still couldn't take her to the game. I Mm -hmm. went to the Euro final with the men's. There's no way I could take a little girl there. I would have no issues taking, given the the, the women in the, in the France World Cup scene at Wembley, no issues whatsoever. The atmosphere is mm-hmm. just so much more friendly. Everyone's kind of in it together. It's not to say it's like this watered-down version and all the passion's not there at all, but it is a very different thing, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. I think that's really special, like, that it does seem more accessible yeah. and more open to all. And I think it is amazing that it is sort of celebrated for its differences to the men's game and like you say it doesn't mean that it's any sort of weaker or not as good it's just doesn't have all of the historically bad (laughs) (laughs) the really awful stuff (laughs) yeah we've left that bit behind but yeah 
We had Kate Cossington. She's the Women's Technical Director from the FA. She spoke at one of our events earlier in the year. She articulates it brilliantly. She said it's the same sport, but it's a different game at the moment. But she yeah. talks about it in a really positive way in that she gets to make our own decisions on who she recruits, that they get to make their own decisions about what happens at grassroots when you start coming through the England Academy system. Whereas before, they're totally beholden to the way, okay, this is the way the men have always done it, therefore we're going to give you the sort of cookie-cutter thing mm-hmm. and do it. She talks a lot about the Serena effect for mm-hmm. Lionesses, her approach, her standards, the team she brought in. Is there a sense that she's the sort of missing puzzle piece that's always maybe been for England football? Because we've had some great players, some amazing players through the years, never quite clicked and won't have been up there with the US. Is, is she that big an influence on that team, do you think? I think my favourite thing about Serena is that she's very strict and really treats them as like, you know, the level of athletes that they are and, you know, definitely doesn't get let them or herself get distracted by anything else. Like we, we've done an interview with Ella Toon and Alessia Russo mm. talking them through like, what did it feel like during the Euros? Did you feel that buzz? And they were like, we had no idea because we wow. weren't allowed to use wow. social media. We couldn't like read anything so they were like going to the matches being like it's definitely getting busier like (laughs) (laughs) like not even knowing that like the whole country was like losing their mind you know like no phones i've seen this interview with serena before where you know, in her very, like, kind of formal way, <laughs> was just saying, like, I hate it when the girls keep their jackets on when they have, like, a meeting after training. She's like, it's rude, take your jackets off. Like, wow. she's very, like, strict, and I think that structure has really, like, brought the lionesses together. They seem very tight-knit. Yeah. I think she's definitely been the missing piece. It's so fascinating, because... And I never knew that they didn't really have that outside influence because mm-hmm. when you look at Mary Oates' TikTok and all this kind of thing, mm-hmm. they are having the time of their lives. It's like mm-hmm. they're just totally chilled out doing all this stuff in training. Yeah. And I guess, not to keep going back to the men's game, but for so long it's always been the problem with the men's game is the mm-hmm. pressure that comes in. Whereas mm-hmm. Serena's got, it sounds like a really controlled thing. It's like, well, don't let the pressure bother you. If, you, if you're reading all the social media and the stuff, that's the stuff that's going to get to you. Yeah. I love yeah. it. I think Alessia Russo described it as being like in the Big Brother house. Right. Okay. <laughs> she was like, when we got wow. to Trafalgar Square... You know, after the win, they were like, it was like coming out of hibernation. They had no idea the effect that they'd had. Wow. Other practical things, Meg, that have kind of changed? Because I, I guess we've all got our awareness of women's football is massively up. Credit mm-hmm. some percents there. We're all excited by it. We're kind of anticipating it. So at that sort of level, that's happening. Any sort of tangible, practical things that have happened since England won the Euros? I mean, I think we've seen that increase in people who are actually watching the games. You're yeah. seeing sold out arenas. But also, you're seeing that growth in your grassroots organizations. Yeah. I mean, Morgan can attest to that because she runs a team. You've but got your own team, yeah. yeah. But you're also seeing women and girls who might not have ever played mm. feeling like it's safe and it's accessible and they're able to play. So we're seeing the numbers of women and girls starting to play football in teams of other women and girls yeah. really just starting to skyrocket yeah. there. And I think. One tangible thing you see is just that the players now are, I mean, you name the players, everyone knows who that is. 100%. Everyone knows who that is. They know who these women are. They know what they've done. They know what team they play for. They know their stats. Like, it's so exciting. And it's just that real tangible buzz around everything. On the players, I want to talk a bit about the research that you've done specifically Mm -hmm. around Gen Z. When you hear 
I guess the some of the players of, of former years, Jill Scott, I think about particularly, but yep. Farrah Williams, Alex Scott, they all talk about that struggle. You know, when the game was very amateur, and I guess Jill was one of the ones that probably the only one who came all the way through, right, and ended mm-hmm. up winning in the Euros. I, I kind of relate to that from my school because it was just the boys who played football. But different generations are going to have a different relationship with it. I mean, if you're just getting into football and it was around the Euros your mentality around England football is that we're going to go and win everything. Like, does that bear out in the research that Gen Z think fundamentally differently about, say, I would and millennials would? Yeah, I I definitely think so. I think what we found in our research is that Gen Z are watching not just for entertainment, but also they find really positive influence. They Mm -hmm. find women's football very inclusive, but they also want to know more about these women who are becoming these superstar athletes and their stories and everything and get to know them on a more human, personal level. Mm. Whereas I think before there just hasn't been that scale to do it. So this might have been something that other generations have always wanted, but now with the success of the Lionesses, they're getting that accessibility more and more and they're getting to know who these players are. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess it goes without saying, social media and oh, all huge. that stuff, accessibility <laughs> is there as well. And these are positive role models. You know, yeah. I guess, again, if you reflect on the men's game, there's some not so positive <laughs> stuff going on there. We just don't see, here feel that kind of thing, I guess, coming from the women's game. Yeah, I feel like it's interesting because I think whenever we speak to player, female players, we ask them, who are your role models growing up? A lot of them are very honest and they're just like well, there wasn't any women. I would have to actually be there physically at the stadiums to see them because it wasn't broadcast. There was no social media for that generation when they were younger. So a lot of them are like, you know, my role models were like Ronaldo or Messi, you know, which isn't great. But I think nowadays it's like all the fanfare and the paraphernalia around like the Lionesses, for example, you know, like I had Tim Cahill on my bedroom wall when I was growing up. I would have loved to have had the Matildas, but there was nothing like that so I guess for girls now yeah they, they can have Ella Toon big poster on their wall and like all the stickers and like all that fun stuff for little girls to like look up to these players as role models and I think because of that they are quite like player obsessed and there is right. a little bit less of that sort of club tribalism in the sense that like if they're a massive Ella Toon fan they'll follow her whatever club she would yeah. go to not that I necessarily think she'd ever leave Man United but like you know they're obsessed with these players as they're kind of heroes now which is amazing yeah and the idea of Russo going from mm. United you know played since she was a young girl mm. you know brought up in the family to go to Arsenal but there isn't that sense of you know traitor or Judas mm-hmm. and all that stuff yeah. that I guess maybe we're used to in football yeah. Yeah, people will follow and people are going you know, buy Arsenal shirts because she plays for them yeah exactly yeah. and I think all the Arsenal fans are I'm very sure they are. <laughs> I'm yeah. sure they are yeah. that was the other Serena thing she told everyone to go and get all your club stuff sorted mm-hmm. don't let it be a distraction mm-hmm. I mean that just makes that point that you said it's like yeah. Get your shit sorted. Yeah, Don't bring it into this exactly. camp because we're all about trying to win a World Cup. There was a lovely piece in the research as well, which was the need to be told stories. Yes. Tell me a little bit more about that. People want inspiration and they want inspirational stories. Mm. So they actually want this almost as much as they want to watch the live game. Yes, you're obviously going to be watching 90 minutes on the pitch, but for this generation of fans, the game doesn't stop at 90 minutes. Mm. It continues on and on. So yeah. they want to know like... What is the story of this player? How did she get to be where she is? What are there struggles that she faced? How do they relate to me? 
It's all about relating back between the fans and the players. Yeah. And that inspirational stories is the thing that I think brings people together because we can rally behind it. It's yeah. a way that they can really start to support players yeah. and really feel like they're part of their journey as well. It all feels very genuine as well. Mm. There isn't this kind of persona that to be a football, you must do these things. You must have all the kind of the trimmings with it. I look at all the stuff that Marcus Rashford had done. He's very honest about his upbringing. Mm -hmm. Wrote some kids books, stood up for what he believed in. Not many people gave him pelters for it. You know, it was like, okay, this is a guy just being kind of pretty genuine about it. Oh, I'm surprised he gets better on the pitch as well when you kind of <laughs> get your life in order. So it's like, yeah, why bother with all that other rubbish? You know, like, it kind of feels very weird, doesn't it? I would love your opinion on something, a campaign around called Lose the Lady, which is all about not referring to girls and women's sports as ladies' sports. How do we talk about this? Do we talk about girls or ladies or women's football? Does it not matter? Is this just something that's in a bubble that people are kind of get? I do think people can overthink it somewhat. Mm. But I think at the end of the day, like, if you're thinking to yourself, oh, maybe that's not the right way to refer to it, it's probably not. How do you guys talk about it? I would say women's football and then girls for girls, younger girls. I guess ladies, that term is quite associated with sort of like, it's a bit old fashioned, maybe. I think people associate that with like, (laughs) it feels very old fashioned and quite English. But yeah, it's a funny one. I think people get quite (laughs) flustered about that. Yeah. Yeah. Just get a bit more excited about the game, maybe, yeah, than, yeah. than the labels we call it. Meg, I want to talk to you about brands yes. and advertisers specifically. Nano Interactive have just come out with a report who are saying if you add up all the kind of the spending power of the people that are watching the World Cup mm-hmm. just in the UK, it's around £7 billion. Pounds. Yeah. Huge amount of money, very attracted to advertisers and brands. There'll be a bunch of brands that have been there from the start and have been mm-hmm. supporting women's football at grassroots and doing that thing. There'll be some other brands going, oh, seven billion pounds. I mean, that's chunky. That equals growth. How do you get that balance between being inclusive to brands that want to come in and support the game, vis-a-vis great for women's football if there's more money coming in, but not the ones that may be trying to jump on the gravy train, not quite doing it for the right reasons? Yeah. It's tricky, isn't it? I think you've actually just hit the nail right on the head. I mean, the way we go about it is we tell all the brands we work with, be a supporter, mm. not a spectator. Mm, nice. So you're not just there to watch and kind of tap into whatever tiny moment this is or a, like a time you have to actually support. You have to do the work. Yeah. You can't just show up for the sake of showing up. Just for the World Cup. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. You, If you want to invest in women's football, invest in women's football. Got it. Yeah. You know? And support the game yeah. as a whole. We see it as you have, obviously, fans with spending power. You have casual fans who are going to kind of come in at the end. Yeah. You have your fans who will start midway through the tournament. And you have your super fans who are going to be there from the group stages. They're going to know everything that's going on. And you should also be speaking to them as a brand. Don't just wait for the casuals to come in. Yeah. So show your support from the beginning. And it's never too late yeah. to start. And who's doing it well? Some of the brands you guys are working with that are doing it really well. There are lots who have done it well. Google does it very well. Yeah. They've been a presence forever. Visa does it very well. Your Barclays are amazing. But they're also brands who, they walk the walk. Yeah. They're very much there. Yeah. They're invested in the game. They have a history. And there are brands who are starting to come into the women's game and they're starting to dip a toe, explore, see what they can do. But I think as long as they're approaching it in a positive way, yeah. then they're always going to see a good outcome. And are you bombarded with advertising brands? I mean, well, you must have been talking about Women's World Cup for some time now. Yeah. 
you're a football company, you can't say yes to everyone, I take it. But has there been a real sense of demand this time around? Yeah, I mean, we're not complaining. We love talking. <laughs> I personally, I mean, I love talking about football. I love yeah. talking about women's football. It's exciting. I think for us, it's that buzz, like I said, around it, where brands are like, oh, we really want to get involved mm. now. We really want to do this. And it's more of a, they want to work with us to grow their presence and grow the community, and that's why we have things like Indivisa, because they have a beautiful community yeah. of fans, and how can we work with them to grow that community? And it's, yeah, it's been astounding. It's so been fantastic. So, so less, here's all my stuff, go and badge things around mm, it, yeah. more we're interested in how it works with editorial. You guys know your stuff, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. help us do it. Yeah, I think with the women's kind of briefs that come in, it, it feels a lot more sort of open, creative. Mm. There's, you know, a lot less red tape in the women's game. There's some ridiculous rules that still exist in the men's game around access and things like that. So I think when you're doing something with women's football, there's a lot more creativity and like like Meg said, community focused. It's a lot more kind of open and yeah, a lot more ideas flowing because it's obviously quite a new thing as well. So not everything's already been done as well. It's fun. Yeah. It's so fun. I do get that sense just from the short time. We've been, like there is a like, like it's neither fun. of you have stopped smiling. I know there's a World Cup coming up. That is exciting, but I don't get the sense of this is like a dredgy thing that no. you need to go and sell, or it's all big corporate things either. There's kind of room for everyone. It's so. the thing you get excited about. Like when I'm working with brands, I can sense the excitement, yeah. and I mean I'm a perky person anyway. But <laughs> you get excited about something. I'm there with you. This yeah. is going to be such a great tournament. Yeah, and to just be around brands and that want to help support it I think it's great it's so fun it would be remiss of us if we didn't maybe go through and I should say your ultimate guide is just the best primer (laughs) I think there is we'll we'll put a link in the show notes but the ultimate guide to the Women's World Cup is just like best players who to look out for like just it just the obsession's gone to a different level now we should talk about the lionesses first I feel like I'm the only one in the room here (laughs) wants the lionesses to win can they go and win this tournament are they up there with the favourites to win it despite having three top players out Yeah, I think they can. I think they can still win it. I think they're obviously, it's up against them. Like, they've got a lot of injuries. Mm. Different this year that they're not on home turf with England behind them like they had at the Euros, which I think was definitely, you know, a a massive support for them. But yeah, I think think they've still got it. I think they'll surprise us. I think the friendlies and the warm-up matches weren't that impressive, but I think... Yeah, well, exactly. (laughs) But... Yeah, I think they're holding out. I think they'll I think they'll surprise everyone and still smash it. So if the home turf kind of worked in England's favour, mm-hmm. I mean Australia must be up there to win it. Best player in the world. Yeah. You know, I think England, so. You know. I think so. People keep saying to me, you know what, I think Australia might win it. <laughs> and it would be very Australian of us to sort of win via injuries in other teams and things right. like this. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but I do think we have a chance and you know, the home support I think will be amazing. I think Australia are the experts at hosting a sporting event. This is the biggest event in Australia since the Sydney 2000 Olympics. So I think everyone is just going to go absolutely bananas. We talked about Canada's chances as well. Some other big teams, I mean, France just feels like that could kind of crumble. Lots of players say, I don't want to play Mm -hmm. for the Federation. Mm -hmm. There's always been a bit of politics around that. Germany, not many people talking about, but could meet the Lionesses in the quarters, bit of unfinished Mm -hmm. business with the final. Uh, And then all sorts of other things going on. Uh, I mean, South African players asking, and this is all coming from the ultimate guide that you have to download, (laughs) they're asking the South African Football Association just to pay them for being there. Yeah. I mean, just talk about spectrums. And we're talking Mm -hmm. about, you know, the US parity with the men, talking about the thriving game here, but we still got this kind of thing mm-hmm. going mm-hmm. on where those players aren't even 
going to get paid for being there. I mean, it feels crazy. Yeah, and I think that's one of the things when we celebrate the women's game and how far it's come. Like, there is still some... Mm insane issues going on yeah like we spoke to madison hammond from angel city place for nwsl the other week had an interview with her and she was explaining like to her the frustration is that like with male footballers they're expected to just show up and play the match and do their bit as an athlete anything else they do on the side is like an added bonus but women players are automatically expected to be an advocate for something show up for something fight for their rights or for someone else's rights and she was explaining that you know to her and to lots of players that's like intrinsic in who they are because they've had to fight to be where they are but they should just be able to show up and play like it's ridiculous that some of the best players in the world on the spanish team are having to boycott the world cup because they don't want to play for the federation same with france like can you imagine if that was happening in the men's game everyone would be up in arms, but no one's even really talking about it. And Jamaica had to set up a GoFundMe page mm-hmm. just to help with the preparation. Yeah. They came out and said, the nutrition, the pitch, that everything was like, I mean, it just feels like you know, it's kind of two ends of the spectrum. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. I think the disparity amongst the different federations is a lot as well. But yeah, I guess it's a shame that, you know, there isn't more that FIFA can do for the particular federations as well to try and, you know, bring everyone to a bit more more of an equal playing field. But yeah, I just imagine it must be such a distraction for those teams. Yes, yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. But they're, they're having to think about their actual travel logistics rather than just getting there and playing. Yeah, yeah, totally. Is your sense when people get there and the first game kicks off that we will just be in this sort of, you know, festival of football everyone it'll be this very kind of joyous thing that will be happening you kind of park maybe some of those issues once we get started and i think that's what it should be it should really be a celebration of the game once it begins and obviously the time to reflect is after and and think about the next steps but during i think it should be just super positive yeah from each of you to finish the kind of standout player we should be looking for could be someone up and coming probably going to be sam kerr for you maybe Mm. I mean, she's going to be like the the poster Poster girl. girl, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sam Kerr definitely, but also Mary Fowler on the Matildas is amazing. Mm -hmm. Plays for Man City when she's playing for club. She's like a surprise. I think her and Sam Kerr have a good little duo as well. I think she'll be amazing. Yeah, very good. Meg, Christine Sinclair, all day, every day for me. She is the top international goal scorer of all time. Men or women. For Canada. For Canada. Of course. Yes. You could have picked any team you want. I mean, I just, it's because as I grow up, we get to see her play. She's like almost 40 years old, still playing, still leading Canada. And it's just amazing to see someone on the pitch who like has fought so hard and is so good. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That is all we've got time for. But thank you both so much. Morgan, safe flight. (laughs) Kind of hope Australia do okay, but yeah. <laughs> where could they meet England? Do we know? Have we done the have we done the sort of iterations? Oof, of it's bad. Know? I think might, <laughs> they, might, they might meet in the round of sixteen. I okay. think, yeah. Which Ooh. then, obviously, it's either or. Oh God! So we could get the hosts, and then we might have to play Germany. Yeah, I mean, you can't win these things with easy games. No. I mean, yeah. the, the men, yeah. the men almost did, but if you're going to win the World Cup, yeah. you've got to win these games. It sounds like an amazing opportunity. Thank you for coming and talking to me about it. I hope you both have brilliant World Cups, whatever happens. <laughs> but and if you haven't already, you must go and download this ultimate guide. It's got the TV schedule. It's got the place. I mean, it's got everything. We'll put a note in the show notes. Thank you both so much. Thank, Thank you. Thanks, Megan Morgan. Thanks for listening to this week's IAB UK's Stay Engaged 2023. If you've enjoyed this episode, please share it and tag at IAB UK on Twitter or Instagram. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you're listening to access the full range of Stay Engaged episodes and stay updated on the regular IAB UK podcast. 
Want to know if you can outsmart a 10-year-old? Tune in next week to hear from Generation Media as they present viewpoints from our future leaders, Gen Alpha. 